Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. Be seated. God bless you. What an incredible honor, Pastor John, Pastor Anna, that you guys have given to me to allow me to share from God's word on a celebration day like this. I, I'm standing down here worshiping, and I turned to Pastor, and I said, you really don't need me to speak because everything that I was going to share has already been confirmed in song. It is amazing to me how the Holy Spirit orchestrates a meeting like this. It's amazing. And um, it, it happens so often, but when it happens that when it's so obvious, if you can remember the songs that you just sang and you hear what I'm about to share with you, you too are going to be amazed that God showed up. And, and God is doing something. Matter, matter of fact, I don't believe this is our meeting anyway. Come on, I wish you were here. Uh, this, is, this isn't our meeting. If the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, then you were ordered to be here, and you just don't know it yet. Um, you were ordered to be here because the Holy Spirit has called a meeting. And uh, I believe if you have an ear, you'll hear what the Spirit is called the meeting about, and you'll hear something from the Lord that will change your life. I am, a, I am a product of several wonderful, wonderful people um, that have been mentors in my life. And uh, certainly, Dr. Roden, who is watching online, I'm going to try to do my best for you. And, uh, um, but uh, certainly, certainly a dear, precious friend and mentor through the years. And, and Pastor Cover, probably the one that I, I remember the most as far as the legacy here. And... Um, uh, but a but a tremendous a tremendous when I was when I was first coming first coming up I I remember the the superintendent at the time from the Appalachian District uh, brother Stiding uh, he was with a group of guys one time in the hallway and uh, all of his peers and I just happened to be walking by the hallway and he stood up and stopped me and he put his arm around me looked back at all of his friends and and he said I want you to know something you have to remember the little guys on their way up because on your way down, you're going to see them again. And uh, I, I feel I'm doing that now. I am putting my arms around those that are walking in the aisles and remembering to just speak favor and blessing on their lives because time goes by so fast. 75 years. 75 years. I, um, I was down in uh, Mexico. We, Lisa and I got back uh, Friday night uh, from a, a leaders. That we were, uh, Lisa and I were the only AG leaders there. They're leaders from ministries all over the world. And uh, um, it was quite a, quite a, just a small group talking about the, the spiritual life of what is happening in so many different places. And it's uh, quite an interesting story. So it was good for us to be a part of something that's sort of outside 
outside of our circles to, to hear. Uh, sometimes we zone in on the things that we know and the things that we are doing. And uh, sometimes you can get even in that tunnel vision a little bit. But when you're able to step back and get a 30,000 foot view, uh, we serve a great big God that's doing some incredible things. The spirit of the Lord is moving all over the world. Um, they are not going to hear it in the news because that's not uh, reportable as far as what people tend to want to hear. People are attracted to bad news. People are attracted to bad news. For, for a couple of years, I lived in Boston uh, back um, about 10 years ago when I was in my early 20s. And, um, uh, but you would walk along, you would walk along the sidewalks and, and you remember, um, there, there's a whole bunch of you in this room that will have no idea what I'm about to say. But years ago, there were these little metal canisters with a clear front that you could go by, put a quarter in and open the door and get a newspaper out. A newspaper was something that you opened up and you read it. It was printed on paper. I'm teasing, but you know what I mean. And, uh, but, but if you walked along, there was probably 15 or 20 of, of those newspaper uh, stands, if you will, along the sidewalk. And you could always tell the one that had the worst news and the worst picture on the front page. That was the one that sold out first. Because we are drawn to negative news. But I'm here to tell you from my experience, from my travel, I just got back just before Thanksgiving from Slovakia. Standing at the Ukrainian border will absolutely mess you up. It'll mess you up as far as the plate and the difficulty and the needs of people are just staggering but if you could just see what the lord is doing on the border of the ukraine if you could see what the lord is doing in churches in slovakia if you could hear the stories that i heard in mexico there there is no way that you can just contain it without something just bubbling over inside of you and in the in the news can continue to report all the negative stuff but i know a god that is up to something big that god that is doing something great and the spirit of God that is moving around this world is incredible matter matter of fact over my the travels over the past several weeks Lisa right now is it wanted to be here Anna she wanted to be here with you so much and um, but she was asked to attend a a leadership uh, women's leadership in Springfield which is the home office for our our entire fellowship across the country at the assemblies of God there is an incredible move amongst women in leadership and and uh, it seems like God is re-raising. I say re-raising because this whole fellowship started with women who were willing to go anywhere and do anything and allow the Holy Spirit to use them. And, and somehow men got a hold of it. I have to be careful because I am one. And uh, so now there seems to be a revival again of women in leadership. And, and Lisa was asked to, uh, to speak at, a matter of fact, she's speaking all day today at, at several women's meetings. And, and uh, so she wanted to be here, but please keep her in your prayers because uh, God is really stirring something up. But I, I really stopped from my travels and the way I've been praying over the past few months, I've really stopped praying for revival. And um, let, let me explain for a moment. I, I don't believe God is bringing revival to America. 
Um, revival uh, is something that, that starts in the pulpit, and it is a move of the Spirit where people get stirred up. Some things happen, some exciting things happen, and uh, somehow men will put their hands in the middle of what God is doing, and it is, and it is short-lived. But what I, what I really believe that we are on the verge of in America is a third great awakening. It's going to be much deeper. It's going to last much longer. It's going to have much greater effect. And uh, I, I, why I say that is because if you do a little studying on awakening, the first great awakening that happened while the, while the, um, the country and really the New England states were really getting started, there was a revival, uh, I mean, an awakening, if you will, and um, 50,000 people came to the Lord. 350 churches were planted. Schools were started. Uh, maybe you've heard some of them, uh, the Ivy League schools of, of uh, Yale and, and Brown, and, and these, these schools were started. And if you walk those campuses today, some of the most liberal campuses in the world today, but if you walk their campuses, you're going to come across the, the, the old original stone buildings with verses of scripture in the corners because they originally started, Princeton started to be a Bible college because an awakening was happening as a nation was being formed and people were looking at uh, studying about this God that was doing such a great incredible work and and then there was a second great awakening as this country was moving and, and if you notice it was always during calamity it was always during crisis that that an awakening occurred and and then there was an awakening that happened as the country was moving west and and because there wasn't the the uh, ability to disciple and train and teach as the country was was moving west there was an awakening and people were running after god they were being misled if you will and it was those it was movements like um the mormon movement and and uh um jehovah witness movements that that started during that second great awakening and it was just a hunger that people had for god here we are again in a tremendous moment of calamity there's wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and famine and um, uh, cyclones and tornadoes and floods and uh, all over, all over. You're hearing these things that are happening and drought and famine and starvation. And it is just in migration. If you could stand at the border of Ukraine and see what is happening, it is there. There are things happening right now around the world. We we have to be being set up for something. God is not a God that forsakes. Come on. God is not a God that's going to forsake you. He can't forsake you. It's impossible for God to forsake you because he would go against his word. And so these things are happening. I don't believe for somebody to come up with a slick message from a pulpit that will emotionally stir people up for a few months or for a couple of years. I believe what God is going to do in an awakening. An awakening isn't something that is inspired by the pulpit. It's something that begins to happen in the pew as the church and the body realizes who they are in Christ and, and what God has done and, and what God can do. And when God starts moving in the pew, 
And that, my friend, can you imagine right now if this church, if, if this is the place on the 75th anniversary, if a great awakening started happening right here in this whole D.C. area, started seeing miracle after miracle after miracle and God's presence moving in ways that they had never seen before, what would happen to this nation? That's what I believe. God is setting his church up for an awakening. I, I like to, in these moments when there's something special happening in a church that have to, has to do with years, I like to look up in scripture what a number means. And so if you bear with me for a moment, I did find something very significant about the about 75. Maybe, maybe it will um, be of significance to you. And it's found in Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, if you, if you forget everything else, don't forget this. There is significance in God's word for 75. For 75. There's no fancy title to this message. You are celebrating it. 75. The Lord in verse 1 of Genesis chapter 12, the Lord had said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives, your family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, the story behind this story is that Abraham received a message to go, and he left Ur, if you will, with his, with his family and, and everything, and, and uh, he goes to where his father's house is, and he tarries there for five more years. And so at the age of 75, there is a death, and then God repeats the blessing that he had spoken in times past. We know that Genesis chapter 12 is the second time the blessing was mentioned to Abraham because when God moved, the Holy Spirit moved on Stephen. Stephen shared this message of blessing to Abraham while Abraham was still in, in Mesopotamia. And so Abraham received the blessing. He comes now here. He tarries another five years. And so actually in Genesis 12, there's a repeat to the blessing that God had spoken to him. At the age of 75 is when God begins to open up all the blessings that had been promised. What if Today, Pastor, what if today, over the past 75 years, every message that was ever preached, every word that was ever spoken, every prophecy that was ever declared, every life that was ever ministered to, what would happen today if God opened up the fulfillment of every word that had ever been spoken for 75 years? What if today is the moment of fulfillment of prophecy where people are added to the kingdom such as should be saved and people are delivered and lives are changed what if today is the day that this blessing in this house is fulfilled what would what would it be like if this 
was the day. I just want to talk to you a little bit. We, we, could, we could spend the, the rest of the day just talking about Abraham. Abraham, the fulfillment of this blessing. Abraham is known in the, in the three greatest religions of the world. Everybody traces it back to Abraham, and uh, Abraham has become the father. This, this message to Abraham is still being fulfilled, by the way, for everyone that comes to Christ and becomes a believer is still part of this promise that was spoken in Genesis chapter 12. And uh, might I remind you that this God that says to Abraham, I, I will bless you, I will make you the father of many nations, and, and you and I are part of that today and we in the three greatest religions of the world today trace their roots back to this blessing if god honored the i will right there i want you to know that he is the same god today and he was as he was yesterday that he will always be in a god that says i will it's the same god that says i will and if you would know it and understand it the same i will god said this i will build my church and hell itself will not stop it. God is in the business of the I will, and he will perform the I will, and he will fulfill the I will, regardless of what media says, regardless of the way things look. God said, I will, and God will. God will. So what did Abraham have to do that would relate to us right now? If we, are, if we are to so see fulfillment of God's prophetical word, if we are to see fulfillment in our own personal lives, what does that look like? How can, how can we pull something out of this story in the few moments that we have here that we may be able to take with us? The first thing that I see is the tremendous boldness it would take to step out in faith and leave everything. It would take tremendous boldness to do that. We're not talking about today where everything is so automatic. We have, uh, I, I remember years ago when I graduated from high school, I was uh, uh, going into this college, uh, being actually was being, believe it or not, being recruited to, to play ball. And I went for a visit on the campus and the coach took me into, said, what would you be interested in? And I, and I said, uh, maybe computers. I'd like to be interested in that. And so he took me into the computer lab and it was a room about a third this size and, and uh, in it, there were walls of buttons and lights flashing and all these things. And you're looking around all these cords and cables and stuff. And that was one computer. I walked inside a computer. Today, most of you that are holding this thing, pretending you're reading the Bible app. There, <laughs> there is more, there, this little thing can do more than what it took to put the first spaceship on the moon. And we are holding this in our hands. And, and I, I'm curious as to what's going to happen someday when all of these massive buildings that are going out for storage is you see all these massive warehouses that are being built for, for storage of what all, all of us are doing on this. And, and it's sent to the clouds. It blows my mind. It's sent to the clouds, and it has to be stored somewhere. And so they're building these massive warehouses to store the cloud. What happens to those massive warehouses when somebody comes up with the invention that all the storage could be contained in one of these? 
It's going to happen. You know it's going to happen someday. And, and all the things that I walked into a computer. And today it is on here. We, today is so much different than Genesis chapter 12. But it will still take boldness for you to believe in what it is God has told you. It is still going to take boldness for you to step out and realize that you're not here by accident. There's a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. And matter of fact, those of you in this room and those of you that are watching online, when you came to Jesus and received him as your Lord and Savior, God redeemed you. And the price that was paid for you has been so tremendous in value that God did not save you for you to do nothing impossible for that to happen god has such an incredible plan for your life and the plan for your life isn't just to attend a church that you love and and see people that you like and and matter of fact the plan for this service today and 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 sunday after sunday the plan for a gathering like this isn't for you to drag your carcass into this room just barely getting by and ask somebody to do something to to pick up your spirit to encourage encourage you a little bit this isn't a filling station this isn't a place where you this is a place where you come in and you testify of the goodness of God and the favor of God because on Monday morning when you woke up he was there on Tuesday morning when you went to work there was a miracle on Wednesday there was a prodigal that came home on Thursday you prayed for somebody that you work with and God healed them on Friday come on somebody say amen and then you can't wait to get back to the house of the Lord where you can testify of the goodness of God. We need, to, we need to reverse this thing. Church isn't meant to be a place that you get revived. Church is a place where you come and you share your testimony. Church is a place where you model what it looks like to overcome. And oh, by the way, we overcome by the blood of the lamb is what he did. Come on, the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony of what he is doing through us. That's how we overcome. But there's going to have to be some boldness. You've got to be bold. He said that to Joshua three times. Be bold and create in the same chapter. Be bold. Be bold. It's going to take some boldness. I'm not talking about being cocky, but I am talking about walking with some confidence. There's a difference between the two. The confidence that we have is simply we have read the end of the book. Come on, I wish you were here. We know how this story ends. I have a, a, um, a VCR... It was, oh, it's one of those things that you put this little uh, tape like in and you can turn it on and it comes on on your TV. And uh, it's uh, one of my favorite football games. It, it involved the New England Patriots. I grew up in Maine. I just have to say that. And um, in, in New England, if you didn't cheer for their teams, everybody shoveled their snow in your yard. Um, so I, I grew up, but, I, but when I was coming along, everybody wanted to play New England Patriots because that was the easy win on their schedule. And, and then they started getting good. But one of my favorite games is a Super Bowl early on where it was just a miraculous ending and New England won the Super Bowl. And um, every once in a while when I want to feel good about something, I'll plug that in and watch it again. But I can promise you, 
that it doesn't have the same effect as it did the first time. Because the first time I didn't know the end of the story. I was nervous. I was biting my fingernails. I kept leaving the room. I was yelling at the ref on TV. That was a horrible call. But now that I know the story, I can, I can leave the room and get my popcorn and not miss a thing because I know the story. I'm not worried about the outcome because I know the story. I'm not worried about that call. I'm not worried about that fourth and goal. I'm not worried about all those things because I know the story. You all, come on, as a fellowship of believers, we know the story. We know the story. That's not walking cocky. That's walking in confidence. It's okay. We're not worried about it. God's not stressed out because somebody claims another religion. God's not stressed out because somebody is going a different direction. God's not stressed out because there's a prodigal that grew up a certain way and is now walking away. God's not stressed out by all the questions and all the issues and all the problems and all the discouragement. That does not stress God out. God's not stressed out by your worry and your concern and your stress and your issues. God does, God's not worried about the toughest questions and things you can't resolve. God's got it. God's going to be all right. God has the answers and he has a way and his way will be performed because God has a way of knowing the end from the beginning. It will take boldness. But can I tell you, if we had time to extract a lot out of this story today, you would find that in the boldness, there's also barriers. There will also be things that will be extremely difficult to get through. I've had tragedy in my life where I've lost people close to me. And um, I have had to ask why. Now, now, God, you know better than do that. And, and, and I, I heard someone say this to me years ago. Don't let the things you don't understand keep you from doing the things you do understand. Because in life, there's a lot of things we don't understand. And I've come to realize that if I understand everything, then, then someone's going to start praying to me. And if you think you have all the answers, then your God's too small. There's going to be barriers. I, I was in a meeting not too far from here several years ago, speaking a message, and, and uh, we were having a time of prayer around the altar. And a, a man came to me. He was a missionary from Egypt that was, that was listening in, sitting in the back. He was listening in, and he, he came up to me. It turned out his wife is serving in the embassy, and, and he said to me that God gave him a word for me. Would, would it be okay if he shared it? Well, I'm okay with every one of you want to share with me a, a word from God. I, I'm, I've, I've read the word enough, and I still read it every single day. I'm pretty confident of what I believe is God and what isn't God. And, and I'm able to, you know, I'm not, I, I want you to be comfortable. And, and so he, he shared to me this word. He said, I can't, he said, I don't, I, I can't, I don't have the words, but he said, I, I saw a vision of a race. And uh, he said, in the race, um, he said, it wasn't one of those real long, I said, a, a marathon. He said, yeah, it wasn't a marathon. Um, uh, he said, it was, it was another a sprint. No, 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 it wasn't a sprint. No, it wasn't a sprint. He said, he said, you were running in a circle, but there were things in your way. And I said, oh, the hurdles. Said, yes, that's it. He said, I saw a vision of you running a race, but it had hurdles in the Holy Spirit. 
Spirit wants me to tell you, maintain your pace, just jump the hurdles. Well, I gave him a hug, thanked him, we prayed together and so forth. He had no idea. He had no idea how many hurdles. My first year as superintendent, we were sued nine times. The, the church is in a battle. The church is in a battle. Mo, most people that come to church don't realize the fight that goes on behind closed doors so the church can still operate in the freedom that it's having. And, and the, but the church is in, is in a battle and you're not even aware of it. Oftentimes you're not even aware of the spiritual battle that is going on around you. You're not even fully cognizant that there's an adversary that's trying to keep you from fully understanding the value that you are to God and the gifts that you have that will bring change to the kingdom if you just step out in boldness. There's an adversary that is putting hurdles in front of you and until you understand that you've just got to jump those barriers and maintain your momentum and stay focused and fix your eyes on the one that has called you, you're going to find out that God will always be with you. He can't forsake you. He will never leave you. He will always make a way. He will provide for you. He will open doors that no man can shut. He will move mountains out of your way. He will raise up valleys. He will make crooked places straight. Come on. You know that if you just get out of your seat and allow God to do something and perform his promises and his blessings for you, you are going to find out exactly what I'm talking about. But oftentimes we allow the barriers, the big buts and the what ifs and the if onlys to be in the way. And we never really step out and do for God what we know God is tugging in our heart to do. There will be barriers. But can I tell you that the same God that says to go, the same God that's calling for boldness, the same God that, that is telling you just jump your barriers is the same God that says there is a blessing. Now, I love this part of the story because everywhere he went, even when he messed up, he was gaining more and more and more because God spoke it. Even when he did some things that, wow, what in the world were you thinking? He still was blessed because God spoke it. And, and the interesting thing about this story, the way it, the, the chronology of the story, if you will, that, that God's promised blessing did not go away because of a delay. When he delayed for five years and delayed the journey, God just delayed the blessing. And, and what if hovering over your life is a delayed blessing, not a mind change? God doesn't have to change his mind. He's not in competition with anybody. He's God. He doesn't have to change. He's omnipotent, all-powerful omniscient all-knowing the bible always speaks in superlatives when it comes to god because there's no one above him 
So when the Bible speaks of God in terms of joy, it's joy unspeakable and full of glory. Or in terms of peace, it's peace that passes understanding. In terms of life, it's life more abundantly. Come on. When when it speaks of God's favor and God's blessing, it's always in a superlative because no one is greater. No one is stronger. No one is bigger. No one is better. Our God is able to do exceeding abundantly above anything that we can ask or even think. That's the God that we serve. And so a blessing delayed is not a problem with God. God hasn't changed his mind. Perhaps the delayed blessing is because of the delayed boldness. Perhaps the delayed blessing is because you stopped at a hurdle that you can't seem to get over. There is something in your journey that you're struggling with and the momentum has stopped and, and, and you can't seem to get over this thing and it, and it's tearing you apart and it's bothering you. And, and sometimes it it has lasted so long you're not even aware of it and you're wondering where God is. The blessing is waiting on your boldness and your boldness and your, and the, your barriers are waiting for you to maintain momentum. You've got to get through it. You've got to get over it because there's a blessing waiting for you. I believe that when the church has that type of boldness, I believe when you have that type of boldness, that regardless of the barrier, love the songs that we sing. If you're not dead, you're not done. <laughs> God's, God's goodness. Even, even the children saying, this is my story. God, the Holy Spirit is just speaking to this room right now. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Where's the boldness? You're a child of God. You're a king's kid. There's royal blood in your bones, in your veins. Come on now. There's an anointing on your life. There's favor on your life. You could still be messed up. You could still be addicted. You could still be broken. You could still be a failure. You could still be a nobody. But somehow, some way, God got a hold of you and changed your life and forgave you and put your messed up life back together again. And now you're sitting in this room or you're listening online and you're wondering what it is that God has for you. Your life is right full of gifts and right full of talents and and God is waiting for you to get the boldness to step up. Matter of fact, everybody in this room has heard one time or another, with God, all things are possible. But can I tell you that verse does not say, it is referred to 18 times in scripture. It does not say to God. It says with God. Because if it was to God, he would have already done it. If it's with God, God is waiting for the with with God all things are possible I can do all things the apostle said through Christ God is looking for a partnership with a believer that understands their value and knows their anointing and realizes that they've been called of God, that there's an anointing on your life, the spirit of God invested in you, not just to fill a pew somewhere and to feel good every once in a while and get stirred up every once in a while, but there is something inside you that once you recognize it and you step out in boldness and start jumping those barriers that the enemy keeps tossing at you, there is 
blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing that is waiting for you. Can I say it to this church as a church body? There is blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing that is waiting for you. To be a little transparent with you, my, my mom was married twice. Her first husband, um, we, we jokingly say the first litter. Mom had four kids. Um, he went to war. PTSD wasn't, they didn't even know that then. Come home from war, uh, there was a, a lot of alcohol and abuse. They ended up divorced. My mom meets my dad. Um, there's another child born, then another child born. And my mom was seven months pregnant with me when a pastor, uh, on his third visit to our home, my dad accepted Jesus. A week later, my mom and dad got married. So if you can imagine, if you can imagine what my home life was like in a home that was sort of mixed up and messed up, dysfunctional, 23 years between the first one and the youngest one, um, a couple that wasn't married during the 50s and early 60s, what that was thought of at that time, other children having more children. But a pastor on a third visit came to this house. My dad, just a minimum wage job, just a poor family, but went to the other side of the other side of the tracks, shared Jesus for the third time, and my dad got saved. My mom passed away back in the late 80s, and... Um, when, before she died, I stepped up next to her bed and she pulled me down next to her so that I could hear her whisper in my ear just before she died. And um, she called me Frankie. You can't call me Frankie, but she called me Frankie. <laughs> she said, Frankie, never stop praying. Never stop praying. I had no idea what God was going to do in my life. But my mama said, never stop praying. Never stop praying. I knew what she meant because I'm the only one in the family that served Jesus. I have seven brothers and sisters that um, all four of my brothers have done time. I have one that is in jail presently. But God. You know, I can stand here and tell you for sure that if not for the Lord by my side, I can tell you where I would be. I could tell you, if not, if not for Jesus, if not for Jesus, I have been praying faithfully for 35 years for my brothers and sisters. Not one of them, no time of day, as far from the Lord, alcoholics, drugs that are involved. I, I mean, on and on and on, on and on. Can't tell you how many times I've been to jail speaking to them, how many times I've been to the hospital talking to them for overdoses and stuff. I can't tell you how many times. I, I, I don't know. 
about two years ago, my brother had, was diagnosed, one of my older brothers diagnosed with lung cancer, and before I could find him to see him, he passed, went that quick. And I thought, God, what about your promises? So when I went to his home, his wife went into the bedroom and brought out a Bible. And she said, I want you to see this. She said, buddy, was every night before he went to bed the past several years, read his Bible. I would never have known. I would never have known. But when I looked at that Bible and I saw what he had underlined and words that he had circled, there is absolutely no way that man died without Jesus. About a month ago, about a month ago, my oldest brother, who lived alone for a long time in a one-bedroom, one little tiny rental unit in northern Maine, because of his life was such a mess and so forth, he was so isolated away, someone found him. He'd passed away. And um, there was a graveside service for him, and a pastor showed up to the graveside service. And the pastor said at this graveside service that about four years ago this guy came into the back door of the church sat for several weeks in the back corner but one Sunday he walked the aisle and gave his heart to Jesus I would never I would never have known I would never have known that during the pandemic he helped the church serve food to people I would never have known just believing believing being obedient praying and praying and leaving it to God to work out all the details because I would never have known I would never have known that God was working out the details that God was answering prayer that God was doing things behind the scenes I would never have known about two weeks ago I have two sisters that, that lived down in uh, Fort Myers. As you know, a storm came through and destroyed Fort Myers. They lost both their places with no insurance, everything gone. A week prior, my oldest sister had a stroke and was in a hospital. If not for that stroke, she would have been in that home in a statistic that would have died. I took a truck for Christ in action down to Fort Myers. And while I was down there, I went in the hospital to see my sister. I could hardly recognize her. The bed was really low because she only weighed less than 80 pounds and she couldn't afford to roll out of bed. It would have killed her in the hospital. And she was dying. She wasn't going to leave that hospital. And I was able to kneel down next to her bed and talk to her about Jesus. And she looked at me, and, and, and that last, you could tell that in the last few moments, she looked at me and she said, Frankie, do you really believe all of that? And I wrote this down. It's in my notes. If you don't believe me, I wrote it, I wrote it down here because I wanted to sing this song. And I want to invite the team that they would come back really quick. And you have some wonderful activities planned here in the next few moments. But I got to tell you this. 
kneeling next to her little bed when she looked at me and she said, Frankie, do you really believe this? I looked at her and I said, Prudy, all my life, he has been faithful. All my life. All my life, he has been so, so good. All my life, all my life, if I could just share with you story after story, all my life, he has been faithful. Can I tell you that before she left this world, she prayed with me to receive Jesus. At 78 years old, she prayed with me. And once again, I can stand here and say, all my life, all my life, he's been faithful. 